say this. How do, we, how do we change our culture? How do we be different? How do we be like Jesus in, in our workplace? And it says here um, that he went to the Mount of Olives. Um, maybe I'm overthinking it. I might be an overthinker. Or maybe, maybe Jesus might want to say something here. When I think of a mountain, I think of a, it's a, it's a place where you go and you get a different vantage point. You see things a little bit differently. You know, you, if you, you can, if you, if you go up a mountain, you can look and see, like when you're standing on top of Cave Hill, like you can see lots and lots of things. And it's amazing, it's wonderful. But you can't see that from down below. Um, and I think what Jesus might be saying here in the start of this story, what the Bible's teaching us is, sometimes we need to, early on, we need to get our priorities right, and we need to look at things from a different vantage point, look at things from a different perspective, because when, you, when you're in the middle of it, you don't always see it. You don't always see what's going on, but if we can take a bit of time and step back, be like, right, okay, what's really going on here? And if that means step going up to a different place, that's a, that's a good thing for us, to, to give us fresh, fresh vision and fresh perspective, and to, to see, see, see things as part of the bigger picture. So we've got this whole idea of the mount, and olives, like, I, I'm going to suggest this might be something to do with uh, the idea that in the Bible, oil is symbolic of the, of the Holy Spirit, and, and oil comes from olives. And what Jesus was saying through this story is, why did he go to the Mount of Olives to get a different perspective? But to go to the source, to go to the source of his, of his life and the source of, of everything that he is. So he went to Jesus, he, he, went, he, he took the time apart and aside, and, and he dedicated that time before he went and did anything, Jesus came first, and spending time with the Father, and spending time in God's presence, spending time in his own presence, which is a whole other sermon. Um, but from that there, I suppose I'm going to ask the question, do we have a place of prayer? And I don't just mean in work, whenever like the manager comes in and you're like, oh, Lord, help me not kill him today. Or like, you know that really annoying colleague, you're like, Lord... Let them not be stupid today. Do we have a, a time in our lives? Do we have a specific place that we go to before life, start, before life happens, before things get in the way, where we can go and hear what the Father's saying to us? Or are we just so busy when we get up in the morning and just go about our, doing our stuff, you know, making our breakfast, making our coffee, watching whatever on TV, and being too busy to, to, sp- to just take some time out? I think we need to find that place of prayer. And maybe it is a, a physical place. Maybe it, maybe it means we, we go somewhere, we go to our shed, we go to, there's lots of places. I'm not going to tell you my place of prayer because then you're going to come to it. And then we're just going to have a chat and that's not going to be beneficial for me. But find a place, find a specific place where we can go to, to, to encounter Jesus, to hear from Jesus, to switch off from, from life and to plug into what, what the Father sent to us. Um, and I think I suppose it's time for, for us to up our prayer game. Um, and, and, and upper our time in that place. And it's, it's really hard in this day and age because we have things like Netflix and stuff. Do you know when you just come in from work? Maybe, okay, if it's just me, that's fine. But if you can resonate with this, sometimes you come in from work and you just want to sit down for a wee minute and you flick something on, you're like, oh, it's three hours later. And, and then I'm like, oh, no, I need to rush and do something else. Need to need, need to be be intentional to find those spaces to find that place that to, to get away from distractions and the and the encounter with Jesus is, is sent to us. And in verse two it says, "Early in the morning you came to the temple." Again, Jesus is speaking of priorities. And what are our priorities? What what's most important? Um, before he faced the people, before he went to to encounter people and to and to do life, he, he spent time with the Father. So we digress. 
Um, and then it says here that when he went into the temple, all the people came to him. Jesus was a person who, who had influence, and he was very careful with the, the influence that he had. Um, he was a person who, who used his time wisely. He was, he was intentional. It wasn't just like, oh, look at me. I've got like a million Facebook friends. How cool am I? It's like, no, he, he might have had a few friends, but he was very intentional with them and how he, he spoke to them and challenged them. So, yeah, we have this idea now that Jesus was a, a person of uh, influence and he was intentional about what he did. But what I also like about it in the story, we'll come down to the part where it says, um, when, so they're all standing there in the temple and uh, they bring this, this woman in who had been caught in the act of adultery. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, that requires two people so that the man was okay. Um, so we're being a bit hypocritical here as the Pharisees and but to suppose that's what the religious mindset does. The religious people just they try to accuse other people. They, they, they don't make it on, they, they point a finger at everyone else instead of saying, okay, I was, in, I was involved too, I was part of the party. So they bring it in, um, and then they're, they're trying to test Jesus. And, and, and they said to him, you know, the law of Moses said this, you know, so we'll have to stone her, this is what we'll have to do. And when they say about offense, this offends me that the guy gets away with it. Like, you know, and is that us as Christians? Are we the kind of Christians that, that point the finger at other people and we don't, we don't look at our own lives? We don't question our motives? Or are we just so quick to be like, here, I seen Nathan the other day, and Nathan was, I'll not tell you what I've seen him doing because it'd be horrendous. And instead of just being like, I've got my own stuff to worry about, I've got my own life to, to look after. So you've got all these people, and they're, they're trying to accuse, and they're, but ultimately they're trying to test Jesus. They're trying to shame this woman and test Jesus because they're just constantly trying to find a way to de arrest him and, de, and de, de attack him because they don't like what he's doing. They don't like that he's, he's challenging their thought process, that he's challenging the way they do life. And they get a wee bit, uh, a wee bit aggressive. So Jesus, Jesus uses his influence um, carefully. And he knew the law and he was aware of what, the, what they were talking about. He knew that he, he studied the the Torah, he knew what was going on. Um, but he also had, I say Jesus had cultural significance. So he knew what they were trying to do, and he knew that to keep them happy, he could have just said, right, okay, let's stone her, let's kill her right here and now. But this was a moment that, that Jesus was like, no, this is, this is what we're going to show people a new way. We're going to show them this new covenant that, that he keeps on talking about. And he wasn't intimidated by the, the religious mindset. It would have been so easy for Jesus just to be like, do you know what, lads, you're right. I'm, I'm not going to fight this. But he was like, no, he, he wasn't intimidated. But he was willing to, to offend their doctrine. Not for, not for the sake of just having a wee fight for the crack, but he wanted to show them a new way. He wanted to usher in the, the kingdom of heaven. He wanted to show them what, what all this was that he spoke about. Hi. And... I, one of my favorite, one of my questions I want to ask Jesus is, like, what did he write on the ground? You know, there's different scholars have suggested what it might be, um, but I just like the fact that uh, we don't. It doesn't matter what he wrote because it, it's not about a specific formula. It's not about you say this one thing and this happens. It's about you know being in the moment and knowing what the right thing to say and the right right thing to do it at any given moment might be. And it's, the story tells us that as he, as he starts writing on the ground, that they start to disappear, the, these religious people, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And it's interesting that it goes from the, the oldest to the youngest, because the, the young, the young uh, 
religious people that would have looked up to the elder people. They're looking for the example. So if the old guys start to leave, they're like, right, well, if, if he's not going to fight this battle, then neither am I. And Jesus just kept on going. And whenever the first lot went, and he, he got bent down and, and he wrote some more. And then we'll come to the most important part of the story. We don't just leave it there. It's not, the point of the story isn't the fact that the people, all the accusers left and the woman was fine. She was fine, but this, this is the important moment. And I think we could get lost in this. You could, get, you could kind of just overlook this part of the story. And it's just the last two verses um, in uh, 8, 10, and 11. It says, Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I. This was like the whole point of the moment. This was like the crux of the matter. It wasn't about being defiant to the, the religious people. It wasn't just about proving a point. Jesus' whole point was to, to show compassion and to show love to this woman, to the, the people in society that we look down on, to the, 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 the people that we ostracize, to those people that, do you know the ones, that the untouchable ones? Do you know the people who aren't very nice? Maybe they live in certain parts of the town. Maybe they dress a certain way. Maybe they, they don't look like us. Maybe, maybe they don't speak like us. Maybe they're a little bit different. They're exactly the kind of people that Jesus was reaching out to. I mean, it, I suppose it annoys me a little bit that a lot of these stories we're looking at is just a man, is with Jesus and a woman, because it's not, about, it's not a male-female thing. I suppose we need to fully understand the, the, the cultural context of how women were, weren't seen as they are today. But we, we need to re- replace the woman in the story to whatever it might be. I don't want to. I don't want to name any names because we we all have our own personal thoughts about who who those people are, who the woman is in our story, who that what, what, what that represents, and that's what you know. That's what we want to look at this morning. It's what is that? Who is that person in our life or that people group in our life? Who does that represent that we need to to stand up and defend and to see them as Jesus sees them and to bring them love because it's those people who need who need Jesus the most. It was Jesus said at one point, it's not the sick, that, uh, the well that need a doctor, but it's the sick. You know, the church doesn't need Jesus. We do, but don't. The world does. The people who are, the, the down and outs, the, the, the lost, the last, and the least, the people that we, we, we don't, we, we look down on, they're the ones that need Jesus. And in this moment, then Jesus, so he stands up and said, okay, they don't accuse you. But then it's the important part, the next bit where he just says, like, I don't condemn you, now go and sin no more. Jesus could have, at the first instance, just said, Oi, woman, you're a sinner. Get out and don't do it anymore. But he didn't do that. He didn't shame her. He wanted to, to, to have this one-on-one encounter with her. So he, he, he ushered everyone else away, pushed them all away. And he, just, he, he invited this woman into this conversation. He invited her in to, just to let her know that in the midst of all the crowd, that he valued her, that he was interested in her, that he wanted to hear her voice, and he wanted to connect with her. And that's what we need to do. We need to, in the middle of all the crowd, drown out those voices, drown out the, what culture's saying, what, what society's saying, and, and find those people, find those individual people, and show them the love of Jesus. Because that's what Jesus did for us. And we can't stop there. We can't just stop it. Oh, yeah, Jesus loves me. That's great. It's like, you know, who, who can I love? Who needs Jesus? We can just walk out the front door of this uh, school and go in any direction and find people that need Jesus. But are we going to be that person? Jesus was incredibly intentional. Um, he lived his life on mission. And that's what we need to do. Be the kind of people that are intentional with what we do. You know, we, get up, we, we spend time in God's presence. We spend time in his word. And we're asking him, what do you have for me today? What do you have for me? What, you know, instead of a New Year's resolution, you know, God, what are you doing in my life today? 
But more importantly, we need to show the compassion and lead with compassion and lead with love. Because ultimately, that's what people are looking for. People look for connection. They look for love. They're looking for, for something. And if they just find it in a safe place of, of culture where you can kind of say whatever you want or whatever, that, that's great. But that's not going to do them any good in the long run. People, people need Jesus. Like we need Jesus. We all need Jesus every day. But we don't want to get in the way of, of Jesus coming in by us being stupid and getting caught up in, in society. So let's, let's be like Jesus in that way of let's find our place of prayer. Let's find that place where, where God wants us to be, where God wants to encounter us. But it doesn't just stop there. It's like, okay, then God, who who we're going to see now? Who we're going to show this love to? Who am I going to pour out? Who am I, how am I going to bring the kingdom of God into into my workplace, into into my town, into into my family? And let's be wise to to take our opportunities. Let's be let's use our influence in a good way, because we we all we are all influential people. You know, whether we think it or not, we all have influence in people. They, it might be one person, maybe a hundred people, but that doesn't matter. All that matters is that we can use our influence in a good way and, and change people's lives and to, and to speak into the, the truth of what Jesus has for them and drown out the, the lies that culture would say. So I suppose that would be my, my thoughts, my take-home from, from this passage. You know, let's, let's, let's find... Like, when I read the Bible, I tell our young people this. Like, um, I just, like, try to understand what does that mean for me? Because, you know, in the idea of... I'm not a woman caught in adultery, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm not a Pharisee, but so what can I learn from this story that I can apply to my life today? And there's so much you can find in, in, in whatever, whatever parts of the Bible. So let's, let's get into our Bible, and let's get into God's presence and ask how we can, our lives can be changed and transformed.